Sparks Red FM. Good evening, folks. Very glad you could join us for the Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening. My name is Rory O'Hagan. It's wet, it's wild, it's miserable outside. Please take care. If you're driving at the moment or if you're thinking of going out, it's absolutely horrible conditions. Horrible conditions down in Parky Cueve as well, where Limerick have beaten Tipperary. We're going to get reaction from that game. I'm going to talk to Lauren Gilfoyle, who braved the monsoon today to bring us reaction from that game. So we'll talk to Lauren in just a little bit. Going to talk to Cork football boss Ron McCarthy ahead of Cork's win against Kerry next week in the Munster Football Championship. Also going to be hearing from Kerry's Sean O'Shea. Katie Jane gave me a horrible look there when I talked about Cork beating Kerry next week. But it's going to happen. Cork are going to win the All-Ireland Championship this That's year. That's what you think. <laughs> You're going to hear all that and more on the Big Red Bench right here on Cork's Red FM. Yeah, sorry, not sorry on that one. 0868104106 if you want to get in touch with us on the show tonight on WhatsApp or on text. Or you can tweet us as well. At Big Red Bench is the place for that. All right, going to just wrap up all today's action. We will start with uh, Gaelic Games and uh, the Munster Championship final will be Limerick and Waterford. That's after Limerick beat the All-Ireland Champions Tipperary today. And a rain-swept Parky Cueve. Limerick 323. Uh, Tipperary 217 was how it finished. Two goals from Aaron Gillan, one from Seamus Flanagan, proving to be crucial. So that defeat means that Tip John Cork in the qualifiers and cannot be understated how poor conditions were today uh, down in the park but uh, I suppose such is uh, the uh, situation that we find ourselves in playing championship games in November we've got to get used to that elsewhere Donegal booking their place in the Ulster football semi-final it'll be Tyrone 113-111 that means that Tyrone's season is now over Donegal will meet our man that asked for they edged out Derry at Celtic Park 17 points to 15 in the Connacht Senior Football Championship Mayo will face Ross Common in the semi-final of James Horne's men's off Leitrim 215 to 10 points in round one of the Leinster Senior Football Championship Longford beat Louth 1-9-1-7 at Cusick Park that means that Longford will play Leash next Sunday Offaly earned a quarter-final clash with Kildare after they saw off Carlow while Wicklow secured a quarter-final spot against Meath thanks to a win over Wexford in the Leinster Senior Football Championship quarter-final Tipperary edging out Clare today 2-11 to one eleven in Camogie Galway hammering off fully three thirteen to three points in Group One of the Liberty Insurance All Ireland Camogie Championship today. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer taking charge of Manchester United for the hundredth time today. They're taking on Arsenal. Things aren't going the Red Devils' way. They are trailing by a goal to nil uh, against Arsenal at the moment at Old Trafford. Seventy three minutes on the clock, and uh, it's Arsenal lead by a goal to nil. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang with a penalty for the Gunners there has them ahead 15 minutes left for United to get back into that game elsewhere today two results and plenty of goals today between Aston Villa and Southampton Tom Gale Aston Villa 3 Southampton 4 Saints up to 3rd birthday boy James Ward-Prowse the first half maestro an assist for Yannick Vestergaard followed by two gorgeous free kicks Danny Ings is unsable 4th inside the hour and he looked done and dusted Tyrone Mings got one back and then it added time an Ollie Watkins penalty and a Jack Grealish effort from range with nothing but mere consolations lovely Southampton football to watch Ralph Hasenhutl's reputation continues to grow firm reality check for Villa though they started the season so well but 7 goals conceded in back-to-back home defeats. Full-time Aston Villa 3 Southampton 4. Well, swear defeat for Everton today. Stephen Goldsmith. Newcastle 2 
Everton 1 a late surge by Everton not enough to gloss over a poor attacking performance by them another game another goal for Calvert-Lewin as he pulled a goal back late on to no avail Newcastle though have a striker of their own in hot form Callum Wilson won and then converted a penalty before scrambling in a deflected cross to give his side the three points and six and seven goals for him Newcastle 2 Everton 1 Carlo Ancelotti certainly not happy with the performance of his toughest today it was not a good performance I think the game was imbalanced and uh, they opened the score we were a little bit slow in the contact we gave them a gift as a penalty and after that the game is changed uh, we wake up uh, later but the performance was not good one more game today that's uh, Tottenham and Brighton that's a quarter past seven guys swindles Spurs take on Brighton. Tottenham's 10-match unbeaten run came to a staggering stop at Royal Antwerp in midweek, a Europa League performance described as poor by Jose Mourinho. But Brighton, after a bright start without a win in five, without a win at Spurs since 1981, having lost in their last six visits. The Seagulls will also be wary with every reason of the form of Harry Kane, five goals and eight assists in the league already, and Son Heung-min, who scored eight and made two. But Brighton have only lost one of their last ten away games in the league. Spurs Brighton at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. That's a quarter past seven kickoff tonight. Elsewhere, holders Celtic easing into the Scottish Cup final. They had a 2 0 win over Aberdeen today. In the Scottish Premiership, Rangers beating Kilmarnock 1 uh, 0. They go nine points clear of Celtic at the top of the table. St. Pat's entertaining Dundalk in the SSC Electricity League Premier Division. It's underway since quarter to six. And it remains scoreless there. Elsewhere, Finn Harps and Shamrock over 7.45 kickoff uh, a win for Finn Harps to see them overtake Shelburne uh, and go into 8th place in rugby Munster maintaining their 100% start to the Guinness Pro 14 season after they beat the Dragons 28-11 in Wales two tries from fullback Matt Gallagher won by the winger Calvin Nash along with 11 points in the boot of JJ Hanran were enough to keep Munster top of conference being and in motorsport, Lewis Hamilton has helped Mercedes secure a record seventh consecutive constructors championship in a row at today's Grand Prix in Italy. He's won today. Teammate Valtteri Bottas finishing in second place. Right, still Manchester United nil, Arsenal won, 77 minutes on the clock now. It's in Cavani and Donny van der Beek on the field now for United as they try to get something out of that game at Old Trafford. We're going to talk to Lauren Gilfoyle down in Parker Creeve in a bit. She's just getting post-match audio uh, from both sides. We'll talk to Lauren about that game. But hopefully uh, this time next week we'll be talking about a Cork victory over Kerry in the Munster Championship semi-finals they go head-to-head in Porky Cueve uh, we're going to hear from Kerry Sean O'Shea in a bit first uh, Cork boss Ronald McCarthy was on the press conference uh, Zoom call earlier on in the week I was part of that call and I uh, heard from him um, he wasn't too happy of course Cork were supposed to play Longford um, in the league Longford uh, pulled out of that game so that means the Cork were down a competitive game going into the game against the Kingdom next week and uh, Ron McCarthy certainly not happy with that yeah look I, what I'd say about the Longford match is um, we'd have preferred the game we had planned to to go up early on on the Saturday um, the fact that we had qualified meant that um, you know we could get a bit of work done on, on the Saturday um, I suppose tactical technical stuff that in advance of the game on Sunday but I, I had said after the, I had said after the load match you know that we were going to take the game um, you know seriously we were going to try and respect the competition and put out a, um, you know put out a strong team uh, it's unfortunate that, that Longford didn't from their end um, 
I suppose, uh, you know, complete the competition and hardened and all, as, you know, I suppose we'd feel hard done by from the point of view that um, we wanted the game. Um, you know, certainly I would think if I was in Derry's shoes, I, I'd be I'd be rather annoyed. Um, certainly the results went. Uh, there was a possibility that, um, that Derry could have been promoted and, um, you know, so... I'd be disappointed the game didn't go ahead. I'd have been disappointed with the way that it was called off. I don't see how um I don't see how Longford to Paddy Davis had the right to unilaterally decide that they weren't going to fulfil the fixture, but um it's done now when we move on. Do you think that um Longford's decision decision brought the league into disrepute? I, I, I think Longford's decision brought the league into disrepute, yeah. I think that you 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 finish the competition. I don't think um, you know. I as I say, um, we were the team that were were, were doing the travelling. Um, I'm not aware of um, any COVID issues, for example, that that they had. And um, as I understand it, they just didn't want to play the game. And um, you know, I, I think it's it's an appalling way to, to, to finish a competition that had ramifications for other teams. And, and and I say the impact the impact for us, you know, is minimal from the point of view of the, of the game. Um, but I think when you look at let's say Fermanagh, for example, who you know went to clear the previous week, you know, with big COVID issues in their in their group and fulfilled the fixture, Fermanagh who played. Leash on on um, Sunday, you know, with uh, nothing riding on the game, they were relegated and yet gave it every every chance, or you know, gave it every chance to try and win it. Um, I think that's how you respect the competition, and I don't think Longford did that. Is that setting a dangerous precedent? You think for the future? I think it's massively dangerous. Yeah, we really do. Um, you know, you finish the competition out, and uh, and. Uh, it finishes the end, and we all end up, you know, at various times playing games that, you know, in essence, you know, they're dead rubbers. But this actually wasn't, and and the fact that Lowe beat down, and the fact that Derry beat Offaly meant that, um, you know, Longford would have had a big impact there on on Derry's promotion um, promotion chances. So uh, I think you know I, I think it was an appalling decision um, that was made um, for no other reason than they just didn't want to play the game. Do you think Crow Park should act accordingly? Well, uh, to, to be honest, uh, acting accordingly was to make them play the game last week. Um, but as you say, um, going forward, it's a very dangerous precedent to, to set and. Um, as I say, Fermanagh should be the Fermanagh should be applauded and lauded for for the efforts that they made in in both their fixtures in very difficult circumstances. And and in the end of the day, it's about the integrity of, of competitions, the integrity of sport. And you know, it's a decision I almost call it anti-sport, really. But um, it's done now. What can the authorities do to prevent a recurrence in the future? I leave that to them, Mark. I leave that to them. <laughs> Tell me, um, what did you do instead? So we we look, we we played um, we trained and we played a bit of a game among ourselves, and and obviously we used the meeting time, you know, as well. No, you're very restricted, much you can do anyway. Look, even meetings, um, you know, they're very 
you know, you have a very narrow time frame with them. Um, they can't go on too long. Uh, you know, definitely the right, um, you know, correctly ventilated areas and everything else. So we made the most of it. Um, but from the point of view of preparation, look, it was the, the outdoor stuff on the pitch really that uh, was, was most important. Uh, Ronan, I suppose under normal circumstances, Cork can carry down the park with draw a sellout crowd. How big a factor is that going to be um, against Kerry? And does it hand an advantage to Kerry that there's not 40,000 screaming Cork fans there on the day? No, I, I think to be fair to Kerry, look, they've come up and they won in 18 and 19 when, when there was a crowd there. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that can be a factor for us. I, I do think, look, you know, from the point of view of the games that... Um, you know, and talking about playing and, and, and managing as well, particularly playing, um, it takes so much of the what's great about it away when there's no crowd there. It, it, it you know, it's there's nothing like inside that dressing room under the stand, you know, a couple of minutes before you go out in a big game like that, um, you know, and the the the, the band and the day and, and all that and running out onto, onto the pitch in front of a crowd, um. Uh, you know, you can't overstate, you know, like, it's what I was looking for, um, you know, and um, it was my ambition, like, when I was playing, uh, you know, I just, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to know what it was like, and, you know, I'm privileged to have played in, in big matches like that in Croke Park and, and, and in Parky Keefe and in Clarny as well. Um, so what I would say is, look, I, I don't think it's a factor, really, from the point of view that, um, that uh, as I say, we just deal with that element of it. But it does take away from the spectacle so much, really. You know, you wonder, really. Yeah, it is going to be a weird situation next week. No supporters in for Cork and Kerry in the Munster Championship down in Parky Cueve. What normally would be an incredible occasion, an incredible day out. But that's Ron McCarthy speaking on that. We'll hear more from Ron on the next Saturday show. Uh, just ahead of the games he previews the game um, and you all turn there not too happy not happy at all in fact with the defeat or not the defeat the, the cancellation of the Longford game so uh, Cork uh, robbed of a chance to have another competitive game before facing the Kingdom they faced Louth down in Parky Cueve a couple of weeks back uh, recorded an easy win so another game would have done in the world of good um, so you can hear you could have you could hear the frustration in his voice there speaking at the, uh, the press conference earlier on in the week uh, Manchester United nil Arsenal one still the, the latest score 85 minutes on the clock there at Old Trafford uh, going to go to Parky Cueve going to hear from uh, Limerick's uh, John Kiley uh, speaking after their win over Tipperary today in the post-match press conference Jesus no I wouldn't call that comprehensive at all no. not in my language Jesus no um, like up until you know seven or eight minutes to go there you know a break of ball left or right and you know, next thing is there's a ball in the back of the net, and especially in those conditions. So, no, we had to work really, really, really hard for every single ball. It was a great bat. It was a great bat. Um, I don't know what it looked like now from your perspective, but from ours down the line, it was a great, great bat. And, uh, you know, just really grind it out. The conditions, I suppose, too, you know, made it feel like that, maybe too, as well. So, yeah. giving us the wind as maybe giving us the problem of playing with the wind uh, it can be it can be actually more difficult playing with a breeze like that uh, than actually playing against it uh, which might sound mad but it can be uh, so yeah it kind of poses you more problems before the game starts as well because you have to make sure that there are certain things in play 
uh, and that you don't waste ball, you know, with the breeze, and you have to be very composed in the ball. So, yeah, that can be a challenge as much as an, an advantage. It might seem like you're getting the advantage, but maybe not always. How important do you think having a match under your belt was today? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to wait. It's hard to wait. Um, being maybe being maybe through the routine of the day, I'm sure is 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 a help because it's different to your normal day, travelling in the car on your own, etc. You know, lots of different bits and pieces. But um, no, uh, I don't think it's a, a very significant fact. Yeah, they all contributed well. Um, it took them a few minutes to get settled into it. Maybe, you know, given the conditions, that's really hard to come on as a sub into a game like that. Really hard. So to have contributed what they did, I'm very, very pleased with. And, um, yeah, you know, we, we were we had a few tired bodies there at times, you know. Um, second week out, I suppose, too, and lots of heavy hits. But, you know, it's, it's a panel, it's a panel uh, effort, and that's the bottom line. So... The more contributions they can give off the bench, the more competitive it is, and the more thoughts that I have to give and the boys have to give in terms of picking the team the week after. So hopefully that continues. Johnny, a couple of new positions for maybe Dean Lynch and Kyle Mates from the start. We did, yeah. Um, you know, listen, it's, it's important that we're versatile and that we have uh, a number of different options available to us. Um, I think you know for Keane it's not that different really because he's coming into that middle third anyway you know so he, he gathered a lot of ball in areas that he would ordinarily be gathering ball anyway you know so that was no different um, for Kyle he's played he came back last year in the All-Ireland semi-final came back centre back uh, more than uh, acquitted himself there and uh, for him to go wing back is a very natural thing as well for him to do uh, obviously next time sorry Waterford in the final, yeah, they were fantastic yesterday. Super performance from them yesterday. But we saw that in the league. You know, there was only four points between us in the league. Uh, you know, they, they they really impressed me in the league. They're very, very organised, very hard-working. Same again last night. Very organised, very composed, and very hard-working last night, what I would say. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a big challenge. I don't mind. I drive both places. It's a fabulous stadium. Fabulous stadium. And the pitch is in superb condition. Lovely solid surface. Uh, yeah, I think this is a fantastic venue. Um, obviously, if you take 10 or 20,000, it'd be great. But, uh, you know, um, I didn't actually notice it at all today, to be honest with you. We're getting used to it now, and that's the bottom line. We're getting used to it. You know, this is a fabulous facility, fabulous pitch, as is Torlos, so it doesn't matter. John, Tom Marks seems to be looked to be a dead leg. Is he any bit of a dead leg? Ah, we think so now. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Obviously, we have to get him assessed, see how things are for the next couple of days, but uh, hopefully it's not too bad. Other than that, I think they're all fine. Just how bad were the conditions, John? Sorry? Just how bad were the conditions? Um, I don't think they took too much notice of it, really, to be honest, but it's a challenge. Like, it's a wet day and a windy day. What do you do? You just get on with it. Um, I suppose, you know, from keeping their feet was a big challenge. You know, you'd have seen that a lot of go to ground forwards, inside forwards in particular, maybe went to ground a lot, a lot more than they ordinarily would. 
But uh, as I said, the pitch was in great nick. So you know, you just have to accept the conditions for what they are. They're not going to get much better in the next six weeks, I'd say anyway. So it's a, it's a good reference point for us to have a game like that in those conditions going forward. Do you expect it to have a big sale? Well, absolutely, yeah. That's John Colley there speaking after uh, today's been over to very apologies for the uh, the quality of the audio there but uh, uh, it was good to hear uh, from the Limerick boss following that win Manchester United are still chasing an equaliser against Arsenal uh, 91 minutes on the clock now so three more minutes of added time left for United to try and find an equaliser uh, but not looking good for the Red Devils at Arsenal defence looking like they're going to hold firm and elsewhere uh, Dundalk a goal up away to St. Pat's after 35 minutes Patrick Huban uh, with the goal there for the Lilywhites now uh, back to Cork v Kerry going to hear from Kerry Sean O'Shea who's been speaking to Oshin Langan at AB's uh, launch of the 2020 All-Ireland Senior Football Championship uh, the 2019 Young Football of the Year first book was excited to be back in the green and gold before moving on to talk about the upcoming clash with Cork Kerry footballer Sean O'Shea at the AIB launch of the GAA All-Ireland Senior Football Championship. This being held via Zoom for all the obvious reasons. Now in their sixth season sponsoring the Football County Championship and in their 30th year sponsoring the Club Championship, AIB are proud to support some of hashtag the toughest games there are. In addition to this launch, AIB will soon be releasing their new TV ad, a fast-paced and upbeat celebration of the 2020 GAA All-Ireland Senior Football Championship. So watch out for that. For exclusive content and to see why AIB are backing club and county, follow us on at AIB underscore GAA on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Sean, at one stage, we didn't know whether or not we would get championships. So I imagine now that we know what's happening, you're excited about it. Yeah, really looking forward to it now. Um, I suppose it was a long time coming, but we're just delighted to be back out on the pitch and back playing. Really looking forward to it. How tough was it during the year not knowing if we get, first of all, a club championship and then the inter-county championship? Yeah, it was difficult at times. Um, was that just the way things were? Obviously, it's, it's strange times with um, you know, getting the club stuff back going and then they kind of confirmed that the county was going to go ahead. It was just a great boost. I think a lot of people would have got a boost on it. And Kerry really hit the ground running. Some good performances and uh, another trophy to boot. Yeah, um, so we've been happy with how we, how we performed in two games. Um, now we're just really focusing on championship and looking forward to going on to Cork in two weeks' time. What difference does it make playing football at this intensity of this, at this time of year? Yeah, I suppose you'd be used to it from playing the league anyway in, um, in January, February, March. I suppose conditions would be the same. I think we've been very lucky so far. The weather has been great. Uh, so we'll probably take a change now soon enough, but we'll try and read off as long as we can hopefully it stays good and what about that first game it's against Cork it isn't an easy start it's old school in a sense that it is knockout you obviously wouldn't have been around for any of the old school knockout games but I'm sure you have heard all about them are you looking forward to being part of a, a Munster Championship knockout game against Cork yourself yeah, tough as it I was suppose it's, uh, it's something different for, for us as players you know Munster Championship knockout but it's exciting um, I suppose it's do or die it's going to be all out in the line against Cork in two weeks so we're looking forward to the challenge you know it's going to be a really really tough game they're going to throw everything at it and we're going to do the same so it's going to be it's going to be enjoyable and exciting times but uh, it's obviously the, the do or die aspect brings a bit more bite to it because it's the first time you'll have had that really do or die kind of clash with Cork Kerry have played 
Cork many times in, in knockout football over the years, first in Munster, then in All-Ireland Series games. But for this generation, your generation, the likes of yourself and Dave Clifford, maybe Gavin White, a few others as well, I think this is your first knockout game against Cork. Yeah, it'll be the first. Well, we'd have played a minor and stuff knockout, um, minor on 21, so we would have had some experience of it. But at senior level, this is the first time it's going to be a knockout championship game. So I think the stakes will be that bit higher. And what about yourself, Sean? Obviously a great year for you last year, won the All-Star. I think you won Young Player of the Year as well. Is it hard to just pick up where you left off or, or how does it work? Um, I think just from, I can speak for most players, I'm just delighted to be back playing. Um, everything that happened last year and the year before us kind of got out the window, you know. And it kind of, we thought it might be taken away from us there for a while and we get to be back in action this year. So when we, when we finally get back, we were just delighted to be back playing and I think we're really grateful really to be, to be given the opportunity to go and represent our clubs and our families and our counties and just it's really enjoyable and great to hopefully be able to bring some joy to people. There must be great excitement about this team because look you've just picked up the league trophy last year you brought one of the greatest teams ever to a replay you could have won the All-Ireland as I say there's a lot going for you going into this championship in 2020 are you feeling like there's a, a buzz are you feeling like there's an excitement How, how's the feeling in the camp? Yeah, no, it's been good. It's been great to get back training. I think we're back probably five weeks now or so. Um, I credit most Scott County Board as well for everything they've done, all the measures they put in place to make sure we get back safely and make sure everything's done to the letter of the law. So it's been great. Um, I was just really excited, you know. It's, been, it's great being back out on the pitch. Obviously, it's, it's it's very different to what it was before, you know. After training now, you usually go up and get your dinner and have a bit of crack with the lads after training, but that's all I got to know with the, we're just getting meals to take away. So that aspect, you miss it, but just from being the point of being back on the field, it's just great and it's, it's been really enjoyable so far. And how has that changed training? How has that changed the dynamic, the fact that things are now so different? You know, you don't have that dressing room crack, you don't eat together, you don't even travel together now. I mean, like you would have, you'll be going in separate cars up to yes. Cork the game on November so, 8th. I'm actually above in Cork at the moment and based in Cork with um, I'm teaching practice in Ballincollig. So usually there'd be probably eight or nine of us based in Cork to college or work and we'd all have if carpool is taking two or three cars down usually but this year obviously it's all changed a lot of fellas are working from home more fellas are uh, it's a few fellas are left in carpool obviously we're travelling down on their own for training so it's different right you know you'd ring people and we'd own the car and the hands free and that's the that's the company you'd have you know usually they'd be in the car beside you but it's a bit of a change though but um, obviously look it has to be done uh, for this year hopefully things will make it back to normal soon but for this year anyway it's going to be the way it's going to be going forward so Obviously, it's different and the changes, but you know whatever we have to do to be enable us to play will be done. I love that the Kerry fellas won't listen to podcasts; they'll only listen to themselves. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, look, obviously, the fact that you're in the squad and you're playing means that you're okay with championship going ahead. But do you have any fears given what's going on? Um, look, obviously, everyone's in different situations. Um, you just have to respect everyone's opinion. Different people have different things going on in their lives, different different family members may be vulnerable. So I think just obviously to respect everyone's opinion. But personally, um, I'm very comfortable with the championship going ahead. I think due to the fact that what's been done by county boards and management, put the structures in place to make sure that everything's done safely to, to reduce the risk as much as possible is it's been great. Like so you know, I feel very safe going to training and coming home. Um, I'm just delighted to be to be able to do something that we we all love doing playing football. So it's been great. I'm really looking forward to the championship. And has the fact that the championship has been delayed, the fact that there'll be no crowd and all that, has that kind of changed your approach? Has that changed the way you're looking at it or is championship, championship, regardless of whether there's a crowd and regardless of what time of year it is? 
Yeah, like obviously, look, you know, we love to have our fans there and uh, the Kerry people are great for getting behind us and they give us huge energy on match day. But you know, we know we sometimes it kind of maybe it puts things into perspective a bit that maybe sometimes you can take all this for granted. But no, we know that like we're lucky, we're very lucky and privileged to be able to, to get out and play and that all our family and friends and everyone from our club and all over Kerry will be watching us. And we do take the field and that they'll get, hopefully get the, they'll take pride from that and they look forward to it. And, you know, maybe it'll give them something to look forward to at the weekend. Before again, they'll be talking more from probably Tuesday, Wednesday on, getting ready, and then the week after they'll be analysing it. So that'll give them, keep them busy, and hopefully by the time by the time the game comes around, in there they're really looking forward to watching it. And does it give you an even bigger appreciation of playing football, having missed out for so long, and now even even just playing, simply getting to be at games? I know you're playing in them, but yeah. you know most people won't actually get to be at a game this year, let alone playing it like you will. Yeah, no, it's it's great, you know, it gives you really, really appreciation for, for what's going on like in all over the country. And we were up in Monaghan there two weeks ago, I met a lady and she was almost in tears. She was just thanking us for, for coming up to play. She was a Kerry lady living in Monaghan for about twenty years and she just told us that and then so much for her to be able to watch T V watch a Kerry game on T V again that her family down in Kerry, she can't wait to ring them after the match and talk about it and just gives her that connection I suppose with, with, with home seeing that she can't get home at the moment. So I think it just, you know, the appreciation kind of just makes you appreciate it more when you have it and then, you know, when it gets taken away, you kind of, you know, realise how much that it means to you. Now, just before I let you go, Colm Cooper is also part of AIB's championship launch for 2020. He is building up Cork big time, as a carry man is liable to do. But you know what, jokes aside, I appreciate they're probably disadvantaged by not having a game to finish off the league against Longford. And the one game they did get since coming back, they beat Loud and beat them well. But in some senses, does that kind of make them an even more unknown quantity? And in some ways, does that give them a little bit of an advantage or something they can use? The fact that you can't study them and haven't been able to study them. Yeah, they've been very impressive all year. You know, they've gone unbeaten in the league, so we know they're going to bring a really, really big challenge, similar to last year with, with Nip and Tuck there for just until, right until the final whistle. So we're looking to get over there. Um, we know it's going to be more of the same this year, so we're, we're looking forward to the challenge and we'll be, we'll be getting ready for the next two weeks. And just finally, with you, a stellar year last year. Are you expecting to be even more watched this year? Is it going to be a case of needing to do things a little bit differently this year because the secret's out? Everyone knows Sean O'Shea now. Everyone knows what he and David Clifford and Tony Brosnan and all you boys are capable of doing. I don't know. Look, we'll just we'll just go. We'll try and work hard and do our best, and when whatever management give whatever tips they give us we'll, we'll listen to them and take them on board and just hopefully do our best and represent the people of, of Kerry well and the fact that you went so close last year is that something that's a positive driving you on the fact that you know you went toe to toe with Dublin or was there just that niggle all year since that All-Ireland final replay of just desperate to get back there wanting to go one better how does it work um, yeah I think that's kind of it's so long ago now really isn't it like usually usually be in Challenge of Action maybe four or five months after but it's been it's been well. It's over a year now. I suppose it's, it's thirteen, nearly fourteen months. So it's a, it's a long time ago now. So we know that um, that's kind of all. It's all park now. We're we're starting at the base again, and we're just looking forward to going on to Park Creek in two weeks, and that's do or die there. So that's all we're focusing on for the moment. Sean O'Shea of Kenmare Shamrocks and Kerry, thank you very much for joining us at the sure, AIB sure. Championship launch, a virtual launch, obviously. Uh, Shawnee, thank you very much. Thank you, O'Shea. Yeah, great to hear Sean O'Shea there of Kerry ahead of Cork's win uh, next Sunday in Parky Cueve. I'm confident. I'm confident. I don't know why. I'm confident. I really can't wait for next Sunday's game. Fingers crossed we'll be talking about a Cork victory. I think we will be. 
or is that just the inner optimist Cork fan in me talking and uh, we heard from Ronan McCarthy as well just before that we'll be hearing more from Ronan uh, ahead of the game on next Saturday's show right uh, still to come we're going to talk to Lauren Guilfoyle who's uh, still down in Parky Cueve uh, about uh, that uh, win for Limerick and Manchester United have been beaten by Arsenal match report to come The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM the Neil Prendeville Show. Mother and father would always say, if you ever see a comb on the ground, always step over it and never pick it up. Because if you pick it up, you'll bring the banshee home. The banshee was known for combing her hair all the time. So one day in particular, it was a very big, solid old comb. And one of the friends turned around, she says, I don't believe anything. So she picked up the comb anyway. And down the line, we did see by the stream a very small, small lady with long, long <laughs> hair. Come on. The Neil Prendeville Show. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Yeah, chilling stuff on the new Prendeville show on Friday. Well worth listening back to that podcast on redfm.ie and redextra.ie. Full-time report from Old Trafford, Peter Smith. Manchester United nil, Arsenal one. More home problems for United, who've now lost three from four of their only home games. They rarely threatened in terms of chances created, with Arsenal keeper Leno only having to make one first-half save to thwart Greenwood's angled efforts. Arsenal secured their first win at Old Trafford since 2006, thanks to a 68th-minute penalty converted emphatically by Aubameyang, this after Pogba had carelessly clipped Bellerin in the box. It ended Manchester United nil, Arsenal 1. Not a good way for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to... Uh, spend his 100th game in charge of the Red Devils today disappointing defeat for them and languishing at the wrong end of the table are United now so they have a lot of work to do uh, to get back up there and uh, see how that finishes alright going to hear uh, from Guy Swindles who's got team news from Tottenham Brighton Tottenham making nine changes from the team that lost in the Europa League to Royal Antwerp. Just Larice and Reggie will survive. Several key big names come back, the likes of Kane, Son, Aldevireld at all. But midweek starters Deli Ali, Aurier, Sanchez and Bergwijn not even on the bench. As for Brighton, two changes from the side that drew with West Brom. Keeper Matt Ryan drops to the bench. No sign of lead scorer Neil Malpe as in comes Sanchez for his Premier League debut in goal and Pascal Gross. It's Spurs Brighton at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, so that's coming up at uh, 7.15 this evening, so that should be uh, a good game uh, tonight. Uh, really enjoying uh, all the uh, games being spread out because of uh, TV and because of COVID, all the games get spread out across the, over the course of the evening. So that's one positive of uh, COVID-19. But uh, one negative of COVID-19 is having to attend championship games in November in biblical rain, and Lauren Guilfoyle did that for us today. Lauren, um First, we'll talk about the match in a minute, but have you ever covered a game in conditions that bad before? No, Lauren, your microphone's on mute. Uh, joys of technology there. We'll get back to, uh, to Lauren in uh, just uh, a little bit, but uh, we'll talk to Lauren in a second. Hopefully now, because she might have taken her microphone off mute. Lauren, are you there? <coughs> I am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Come here. Have you ever have you ever covered <laughs> a game? It's in- not water damage in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever covered a game in conditions that bad before? That was amazing. 
It was. I don't think we got the brunt of it, given we were somewhat covered. But even at that, the rain was still pelting in. Before the game, the uh, stewards actually did come around and give us some cloths to uh, continue to clean our desks as the game progressed. Uh, such was the uh, intensity of the rain. But I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. And I suppose it really is a stark contrast to what we're used mm. to when it comes to Munster Championship here, especially in Parky Cueve. Yeah, it's a strange new world for all of us. We heard from John Coyley a while ago. He said uh, a Tipperary let them play with the wind in the first half but such was the, the, the strength of the wind John was saying it wasn't really an advantage Yeah and following on from that Liam Sheedy was asked the same question about his rationale for making that call and his thought process was that in the couple of games that he's seen so far these games have taken about 10-15 minutes to kind of get going and he felt like if they could batten the hatches down in those early phases of the game that perhaps that they could use that win to their advantage in the second half but of course Limerick had other ideas and they really did get the ball rolling uh, early days so they didn't uh, didn't it didn't really go to plan for uh, Liam Sheedy and his men unfortunately and that wind it did pick up um, it did quieten off a little bit before the game actually started potentially when Callan made that call um, but it, it didn't uh, lighten off any further and it actually picked up there in the second period as well so um, it, it definitely had a huge factor to play in the game Yeah Aaron Glan on fire today for Limerick at 2-6 from him a penalty 5 from Freeze uh, so he was in red hot form and Tipperary struggled to contain him they did, and uh, I suppose on the other side, I think in stark contrast, Tipperary only scored two two from play. That's four scores when you look at that kind yeah. of from a, from a collective perspective. Uh, th- th- they really couldn't uh, quite narrow Glan, and I think it's uh, a pity he didn't get a third goal. That uh, catch early days um, was blocked. Uh, Sean O'Brien, I think the Tipperary defender, uh, saved the day on that occasion but Aaron Glan was on fire he did miss a couple of frees but I think given the uh, aforementioned biblical <laughs> conditions we will let him away with that uh, on today's occasion but um, yeah the in, in the second period Aaron Glan was Limerick's sole scorer up until some of those subs came in and made a, a bit of a difference I suppose they are all still fighting that for that starting 15 jersey and I think John Kiley will probably be going home with some headaches as a result of the impact that the Limerick bench had uh, following on from that temporary goal and a, a controversial goal it was indeed we didn't have the beauty of too many replays here so Rory I'm sure you might be able to give me a bit more of, a, of an insight onto that one I think Twitter was telling us that uh, Noel McGrath picked the ball off the ground and potentially threw it to, to his brother John um, but the goal stood uh, much to the uh, protests of Limerick uh, John Kiley but um, it stood anyway and the Limerick uh, attack or the Limerick substitutions I should say really uh, made the difference once they entered the the free. Yeah, it definitely looked like on the replay that he threw the ball. All right, so uh, got away with one there. Um, Limerick had something on the back of their jersey today, and John Kelly was kind of a bit kind of uh, cryptic about not explaining it. Can you can you shed some light on that? Yeah, so I suppose in the in the the, the first day out against Clare, there was some uh, twitterings, I suppose you can call it, as to what this logo was on the back of the Limerick jersey. And just for some context, it's just under the collar and above the player's number. Um, no one could really understand what this logo was. There's no uh, words to go along with it. And in the press conference following the game, he was asked what the uh, what the the this logo stood for and he was quite cryptic in in his explanation he said that the players had come up with this logo themselves they asked for this logo to be uh, put onto the back of the jersey and said it was to 
represent what this year means to Limerick. Right. He left it at that. He said he wasn't going to explain any further. Um, but it's an interesting one, and I'm sure maybe perhaps at the end of the year we might get a bit more information as to what that is, but it looks like we won't get that now at the moment. All right. <laughs> Certainly, it's an interesting one, right? It has to be said. All right, it's Waterford for them in the Munster final in two weeks' time, which is uh, an intriguing game. Uh, Waterford were excellent against Cork yesterday. Cork were, were terrible, to put it bluntly. Um, so that should be a cracking game in two weeks' time. It should absolutely, and Limerick don't seem to have any injury concerns after tonight. I know that uh, Tom Morris he seemed to limp off with a, a dead leg, but uh, for my other, uh, for my, my, my background in physio, that won't hold him back from yeah. the Munster final. Um, following the game as well, John Kiley was asked whether he preferred the game to be here in Parky Cueve or in Central Stadium. He said it doesn't matter which. He loves both grounds, and um, so I'm sure we're going to see that fixture come in the next day or two. But yeah, it's it's an interesting clash. It, it, this pairing hasn't uh, come about in the Munster final since t- 2007. I'm pretty sure so but it, it, it's a long time waiting um, so I think it's it's one that we're all going to be tuning in for yeah and in fairness just before we wrap up just a word on the ground staff at Parky Cueve today because that pitch was immaculate and it held up over the 70 minutes it was absolutely we were watching the Ulster semi-final uh, on the RTE player prior to that <laughs> and I think that kind of gave us an insight as to what the conditions might unfold like today for us uh, and, and to be pretty fair to the ground staff here in Parky Cueve. It held up perfectly. I don't think we saw too many players falling or slipping as a result of the surface. And the the, the rain fell and it fell throughout the entire mm. game. So I think it is testament to the surface here at Parky Cueve. I know there has been problems with it in the past, but I think they seem to, to all be rectified by now, which is mm. great. All right, Lauren, thanks for that. Um, hope you enjoyed the game and hopefully you won't get too sorted <laughs> the way back to the car. It's uh, Lauren Guilfoyle there speaking to us uh, down in uh, Parky Cueve today after today's uh, game um, and it ended in victory for Limerick over to Prairie Limerick now face Waterford in that Munster final and tip join Cork in the uh, the draw for the, uh, the playoffs uh, at the back door tomorrow that's being made at half past eight in the morning so with Cork 50-50 chance of uh, drawing a team um, of Wexford, Dublin, Leash or Clare or getting a bite to round two of the qualifiers so we'll see how that goes alright uh, I'm going to talk Camogie because yesterday Cork beat Wexford at 312-218 we heard from our Paddy Murray yesterday uh, Colm didn't have a chance to play Captain Amy O'Connor following Cork's win and this is Amy in conversation with Lauren Amy, it's been about 237 days, I think I counted, since your last competitive fixture. How was it feeling as I supposed to be back out on the pitch? Yeah, um, it's 237 days right now, I said it just before the match there. Um, so it's been quite a long time and you can play all the challenge matches in the world and it's not going to be the same thing. Um, so it's good to get a, a championship game done. Um, even like the build-up beforehand, it's nice to have a bit of normality with that. So... Yeah, a long time since our last, I suppose, real competitive game. Um, and Wex have really put it up to us today, so um, it's good to get that challenge. Today, I suppose, wasn't your typical Cork performance. It was maybe a little bit lacklustre in comparison to what we expect from you guys. What's your own opinion on that? Yeah, definitely. Like We know that that performance day is not going to win us any All-Ireland this year. Um, we know we need to make massive improvements. And yeah, we were definitely lacklustre at times, but I suppose that's credit to Wexford as well. Um, we knew kind of... Wexford played intermediate league but uh, we would, didn't read into that too much um, and they'll, they'll be there thereabouts in, in the next couple of years they're a young team and they'll improve dramatically over the next few years so it's all credit due to them as well obviously we need to improve ourselves and kind of 
look at ourselves going up to Galway, especially next week, it's, it's not an easy task. Um, but yeah, we know it's not going to win us in All Ireland, and we need to make huge improvements. And given the large score that Wexford uh, shipped last weekend, I suppose you expect that them to be quite defensive today. Yeah, and I think they were quite defensive. Um, I think they played a spare player at the back. Um, we kind of expected that they would do something like that. Um, and they definitely crowded it out, especially around the middle, kind of around our centre forward and midfield. So I suppose at times in the match we did struggle there, but we'll take a look at that. And I'm sure Wexford looked at how they played against Galway last, last week. They were a bit open and, and leaked a few goals. So they've definitely taken stuff from that game and worked on that themselves. So um, it kind of was expected for us, I suppose. Looking ahead then to next weekend, only seven days in it, and there's a football match next week, next weekend as well. What are you feeling towards that? Uh, I suppose it's, it's a very important game considering if you do win, you're through to a semi-final as opposed to a quarter-final. But it's great to obviously be in the knockout stages already. Yeah, and I suppose like even long before COVID even existed, we would have targeted a quarter-final place. We wouldn't have looked too far ahead to a semi-final. Um, so we've kind of achieved our objective of reaching the knockout stage. We're going up to Galway next week. They're the All-Ireland champions. Um, it's not an easy task, um, but it's great to get that type of game in, especially before the knockout stages. Um, we'll go up there. We've nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose. Both teams are, um, are into the, the quarter-final anyway. So um, we'll just see how we go. Um, and yeah. <laughs> a few debuts today as well although you're like a number of experienced players as well which is great and probably showed there towards the last quarter but it's great to get like, a couple of new girls into, into the side today yeah like um, I think Izzy Izzy O'Regan she made her debut today her championship debut so Izzy is a breath of fresh air on the panel um, she just does exactly as she's as expected of her um, she works I'd, I'd love to see her GPS figures today because the girl works harder than she's everyone on the pitch she, I'd say she covers 12 kilometres a game she's just she's exceptional and she's just exactly what you want your wing forward to do she works hard she's good on the ball and she's she's as fit as anyone so it's brilliant to see people like her making their debut and all her hard work, work over the lockdown um, and even when we started training last November right up until we were locked down um, is really paying off for us so I'm delighted for the likes of Izzy we saw Fiona Keating there as well made her debut and we had Maeve Cahillan back so all positives um, yeah so delighted with those Yeah great here Cork Monkey captain there Amy O'Connor speaking after uh, yesterday's win over Wexford 3-12 to 1-8 was how it finished and they're now going to play uh, Galway next Sunday afternoon alright um, of course Six Nations last night not to be for Ireland um, lost to France in Paris last night Johnny Sexton uh, gathering some of the headlines for when he was subbed during the second half shaking his head looking up at the scoreboard shaking his head again uh, a lot of people not too happy with Johnny's reaction going to hear his, his explanation uh, as to, to what occurred after this uh, Hi Johnny uh, in the first half you seem to be going for the tries instead of maybe building on France's appeal discipline and kick the points um, do you have any regrets? Uh, no, because they had a yellow card. Um, so for 10 minutes, I think three of my decisions to go to the corner was when they had a yellow card. A couple of them, we're, we're, we took the scrum, we nearly scored. We should have scored from a couple. And then obviously just before half time, um, yeah, we could have taken three and, and tried to go in, in the lead. But um, look, obviously we, we knew we had to win the game by more than six or, or get four tries. So we were trying our best to uh, to put the pressure on because we knew the, the French team with the players that they have and score tries out of nothing it's a bit like when you're playing the All Blacks you know you have to have the mentality to go and score tries and uh, 
you know, sometimes it comes off, sometimes it doesn't. But um, the decision I thought was brave, of course. But uh, the execution, we didn't, we didn't uh, back back up the decision. Um, can I just ask you, like, how close do you feel you are to, to France and to England, the two sides who, who beat you in this championship? Um, do you think there's a gap there, or is it literally just the decision making you spoke about there? Um, yeah, look, I thought at times, uh, like the two totally different games, the one played against England, the one today, um, but similar in some in some ways in terms of, you know, at this level, you can't give teams, you know, scores from your mistakes. Like you, you need to make them work hard for them. I think they made us work unbelievably hard for our scores, and and we weren't quite clinical enough when we got how many I don't know how many five meter lineouts we had, um, and our conversion rate from them wasn't too hot. Um, a couple of five meter scrums, and you know the, the difference that can make by by taking those opportunities. Um, you know, I thought we had a lot of opportunities tonight when you compare us to the, to the England game I don't think we had many opportunities at all in the first half um, you know, in terms of scoring tries but um, I felt tonight was there for the taking I thought we'll look back on it with a lot of regrets and you know, yeah, they're a good side um, they're a young side and they're, um, they're going places you can see they've got uh, much improved you know, organisation and, and spirit within the squad and um, yeah, they're, they're a very good team. And when you were coming off towards the end, we saw you shaking your head. Can, can you just describe what was like? What were your thoughts in those moments when you were coming off the pitch? Yeah, I'm very disappointed to coming off. Like and like everyone will be. You're you're losing the game um, when you're coming off. So what, what, what would you like? What would you like me to be doing when I'm coming off the pitch? I'm not suggesting I'm just asking what, what was going through your head. Yeah, yeah dis- dis- disappointment, disappointment that uh, that you know we, we didn't win the game. Um, you know we were 28-20 down with you know obviously 10-12 minutes to go, and we have five meter line out, and we we didn't capitalise. And um, they're just the moments that we look back on and regret. But um, I'm sorry, I wasn't delighted uh, coming off. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a surly Johnny Saxon there speaking after last night's defeat uh, to France and not too happy with the questions about his demeanour after being substituted. Certainly didn't look happy and uh, a lot of uh, people criticising Sexton for his reaction but he just said it was basically disappointment. That's all there is to it. Alright, nearly out of time. The John O'Reardon podcast is available every Friday on redfm.ie and from everywhere you get your podcast from uh, this week. Uh, Joanne's been chatting to uh, Irish rugby star Emma Considine uh, about her, her career. Uh, it's well worth a listen. Uh, take a listen to this preview and then when you're finished go download the full podcast. But how have you um, How have you been keeping during this um, incredibly weird uh, time at the minute? Ah, yeah, like it was good. Um, like I actually enjoyed lockdown. I know a lot of people would be like, oh God, it was awful. But I think when it happened, like it was in the middle of Six Nations. It was middle of like Shockton Gaelge. It was the middle of like just correcting my mocks in school. And it's always a mad time anyway. And then like COVID happened and it was like, oh my God, I had no school. I had no rugby. I had nothing and it was just like a complete flip of of my life as it was. Um, so I think at the time I really enjoyed it because it gave me like a few like moments to breathe and take it all in. But um, 
yeah, like I think as it went on, obviously, then you start to miss everybody and it was more so everybody than everything that you missed. Um, I missed, yeah. you know, playing with the girls and training with people. And I suppose that's kind of made me realize why I play, that it's like, I obviously am very competitive, but I was like, God, I really love the social aspect to it all, to all of it. Um, but it's great being back. Like I know it took a while for us to get back, but we've a few weekend camps done now and it's great to be back playing with people and training with people and actually getting to gym with people again. And because it was so long there that you were one, either working from home or two, we weren't back collectively as a squad. So even our yeah. gym sessions there, even for like July, August, even September were a lot of September were um still on our own. So you couldn't even push it through with your weights because you're like, Oh God, what if this dumbbell falls on me? So I'll just stick to the weight that I know I'll I'll be able to lift. So like little things is it's it's back bit by bit. Um and obviously like very exciting times, the fact that we do have fixtures in the calendar, which is something that's bizarre because nothing really I think what it's taught us is like just go day by day because you don't know what's going to happen the next week. So that's it's exciting. Yeah, no, it was it was completely wild. Like as you were saying, like you were kind of slap bang in the middle of the Six Nations, like and like you teach, um, like you're constantly surrounded by people. So to effectively just be surrounded by one person, you know, for like six months, like that must have been super weird for you. Yeah, it was like I was lucky at the start when it all happened that I was in Clare um, and like I live in the middle of nowhere. So I was so lucky to be there and be able like my 2K radius was lovely. It was nature. It was getting out and going for walks. Yeah. And my sister came home from Australia. So then we I had a bit of company for the first bit. Um, and then when I was able, I was I came back up to Dublin then because my fiance Dean was on his own up here. So and um, it was <laughs> It was a nice mix then as well, though. It was a nice mix to have, like, be at home in Clare with my family, who, like, I never really see um, because everything's just so busy. And then similarly, it was lovely to be in Dublin with Dean because we're living near the Phoenix Park. So that was, like, our sanctuary during the during the lockdown. And he, oh, he plays football for Clare as well. So, like, we just pass each other in the road, going training or literally in the passing in the night is what we are because like I'm up for gym the next morning he's gone home to Claire for training on a Wednesday and it's like it was lovely to actually have the time to just have time full stop yeah you're probably like staring at him going I didn't realize how annoying this thing you do is because I'm not around you all the time (laughs) sorry do I say that you hear me yeah, I was going to say you were probably like staring at him um, going, oh, my God, this thing you're doing is really annoying because I barely see you. <laughs> That's it. We found out so much about each other, you know, because um, because we had never spent that much time together. It was really make or break and we're still together anyway. So it's a good start. <laughs> That's what that's what you want to hear. That's what you want to hear. Um, yeah. So, like, I suppose take us back, kind of, kind of to like the start of like your sporting career. Like when you started, like you were playing kind of Gaelic football. Like, was was Gaelic football like your thing until you found rugby, or were you kind kind of aware like that you were you kind of were interested in both sports and you'd play both of them for as long as you possibly could? Well, I suppose I'm from West Clare, so like rugby really isn't a thing in West Clare, and like I can't mm. say that I ever grew up wanting to play rugby for Ireland because I didn't um 
one, I didn't know there was women's rugby. Two, I, we would have just watched rugby on the on this on the TV. You know, when Munster were winning and um, Heineken Cups and that, we would have obviously followed Munster. But I didn't know the rules, or I had no real interest in it. Um, growing up in West Clare, I suppose football was your only real sport um, in the community that and athletics so they were my two sports underage so I ran with Kilmahal AC and played football with Kilmahal so I think they were they were a good kind of base to have anyway with the athletics I kind of did I didn't really like cross country I did I was more of a track and field and I would have done kind of all of the events and I was decent at them all but not like amazing at one in particular so yeah it's Emer Considine there speaking on the Joanne O'Riordan podcast you can get that full interview on uh, redfm.ie and from wherever you get your podcasts from we are out of time thanks very much indeed for tuning our way Valerie's back next Saturday I'm back next Sunday enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening folks and uh, we'll touch them The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM